Well, I am uh, I'm not one of the pastors here, <laughs> um, although I was here for a little while. Um, that was a big laughter. I don't know. <laughs> well, I would ask you to turn to Psalm 103, 103, for starters. And um, I, I want you to know that this is a psalm that I memorized when I was really first walking with the Lord. Uh, 1969, 1970, I can't recall exactly which but I, I memorized this psalm. Now, I memorized it in the New American Standard version because that was the version, of the only one that was out. And I remembered it all the time. Pastor Keith, when he was, was partnering with me in ministry, he used to wait until Tuesday um, to meet with me. And then he'd say, now, how many were using the NIV and how many were using the New American Standard? And by the way, did you happen to know that the New American Standard is English disguised, Greek disguised as English? And okay, so I switched to the NIV. But I still remember, with all due apologies to Pastor Keith, I do remember this in uh, NASB. And I'll I'll try, uh, I'll try, try, try to uh, do it in NIV. But I'll probably slip up every once in a while, but that's okay. Let's pray and then let's start. Father, uh, thankful today for a chance to expound your word a little bit. I'm grateful for an opportunity to share this beautiful psalm of praise, just a general psalm, a song of thanksgiving, remembering all your benefits. You are so good to us. And so we thank you today in Jesus' strong name. In that name we pray. Amen. I suspect that it was verse 10, 11, and 12 that caused me to memorize this psalm. Verse 10 reads, He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. And it was probably those um, specifically, specific words that um, caused me to memorize the psalm. Now, today is very different. I'm not, there's no outline in front of you. Uh, in fact, all that's in front of you is the scripture itself. Um, and I've decided that um, every commentary I looked at outlined this psalm a different way, so my way is clearly right. <laughs> and I, um, I just came to the conclusion that you should memorize and you should outline the psalm as you see fit. You could study the words L-O-R-D, capital Lord, Yahweh. Or you could study, you could diagram the psalm based on the word all. Or the different words for sin. You will figure it out. You, according to your need, figure out the, the, the psalm and how you break it up into different parts. I'm just going to dive right in and I'm going to uh, discover it verse by verse. Verse 1 and 2 is the theme of the psalm. Praise the Lord, my soul. All that is within me, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget none of his benefits. 
Praise the Lord, Yahweh, my soul. Now, originally the word praise really had the idea of kneel. It's something you do, right? You kneel before the Lord. And, and it's okay to sing, we praise the Lord. But the idea is, we kneel. And really, is there any kneeling that's not involved in worship? I mean, even though physically you and I may stand, aren't we kneeling in our heart of hearts to the Lord of lords, to the God of our salvation? So, kneel, O Yahweh, my soul. At the most basic of levels, worship is personal. Now, I, I appreciate and, uh, and understand and enjoy the corporate dimension of worship, but worship is personal. My soul. Soul, outlined in the, the next verse or the next line, is the innermost parts. Body, soul, spirit, all is involved in worshiping the Lord. And, and I realize that it's easy to sing songs. You know, we memorize them and we like them and we sing them. But did you worship this morning? Body, soul, spirit. Did all within you, with all your inward parts, did you worship the Lord this morning? Some of you maybe did. Some of you maybe didn't. I don't know. But I know this. It takes all that I am to respond to all that God is. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my innermost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So three times in four lines is praise Yahweh. Uh, I mean... uh, it's pretty obvious, right, what the psalm's about. And by the way, it ends the same way it starts. Verse 22, praise the Lord, Yahweh. Well, I forget, uh, and, and, and I like that fourth line, forget not all his benefits. Now, it, it's funny he puts it in the, the negative, King David. Now, we don't know the specifics, uh, like Psalm 63 um, King David, or David, is known as uh, the one who is running from his life in the wilderness of Judea. And so Psalm 63, we have a context, we have a background. And this one, we don't. And so Psalm 103 is a general psalm, a general song of worship and praise. And it's of David, we know that. We know that he is the author. But forget not all of his benefits. Isn't that kind of an un Odd place for a negative, forget not. I mean, he could easily say, and remember all his benefits. But don't we have a tendency to forget? I probably used this before, and um, it's free if I haven't. It's a quote from Coleridge. There are truths that we hold so dear that we put them to sleep in the dormitory of our soul. There are truths that we hold so dear, and we do hold them dear, that we put them to sleep in the dormitory of our soul. And his benefits is one of those. We have to stop and remember, or as the psalm says, not forget all of his benefits. Now his benefits are listed in verse 3, 4, and 5, and there are 
6, he forgives, he heals. Verse 4, he redeems, he crowns. Verse 5, excuse me, he satisfies and he renews. And so really, it's a, it's a, it's a, a primer of worship right there. Right? We, we begin to list his benefits to us. By the way, when's the last time you made a list, either mental or physical, you made a list of the benefits of being a Christian? There are truths we hold so dear, we put them to sleep in the dormitory of our soul. He forgives all your sins, verse 4. Of course, we know all doesn't mean all, but... So I studied. Boy, did I study. I mean, I studied. Hebrew word study. Guess what all means? <laughs> means all. <laughs> oh, frankly, if the truth were known, most of us would translate verse 3, who forgives pretty much all your sins. But uh, there's a few. Just a few, but there's a few. There may be secret sins that Nobody else knows about, but I know about, and he knows about. He forgives all your sins. He heals all your diseases. And, and he does heal. I mean, he, he heals all. We don't have medical care like they used or We have medical care. They didn't used to, so they prayed. And they prayed for miracles and they prayed for healing and they prayed for for special needs and God heals all our diseases and I want to thank you those of you who've remembered to pray for me thank you very much Um, I'm responding really well to the medicine but God also heals miraculously God also heals in grace right remember where it said my grace is sufficient for you whatever Paul and we think it may have been his eyes. Trophimus, he left sick at the town of Miletus. God healed in all kinds of different ways. God healed my mother from brain cancer by taking her home. Boy, is she healed today. Hoo-hoo. She is well today. So God heals all your diseases. He just chooses lots of different forms. Verse 4 He redeems your life from the pit. Redeems. The kinsman redeemer. The words goel. You learned it in in the study of of, um, Ruth. Boaz was her goel, her kinsman redeemer. The close relative who stepped in at a moment's notice and began to redeem. I have a close personal redeemer that redeems my life from the pit. And who crowns me with love and kindness. Now there's one, two, three, four, five. Okay. Front row, try not to get you, but this is a good old Hebrew word. means chesed. Use spit. Chesed. (laughs) Means loving kindness. His loyal love. And I have no, no more to say to you this morning than this. Aren't you glad that his love is loyal when yours isn't? His love is faithful. 
His love is compassionate. And, and here, it's almost an impossible word to, to define. His love is his tender mercy forever. Maybe that's the idea. He crowns me with, excuse me, with love and compassion. Verse 5, he satisfies your desires with good things. Now, there's a funny little um, uh, Hebrewism there, and I'll translate it for you literally. He satisfies your jewelry with good things. And you go, what? But jewelry, what around the neck, adorned the neck, it's the good things. It's what I desire. I wish. And so he um, satisfies uh, uh, our life. He fills to full is what satisfy simply means. And he satisfies our, our lives, our desires. I am so glad. Have you ever made a list of the things? Did I mention that? Have you made a list of the things that you are thankful for as a Christian? I just, I tend to wake up a little before Connie and I have my, my little window, my little bay window and special place there. If I have an orchid blooming, I put in my orchid there and I read my Bible and I made a list. I just made a list of all his benefits. And, and it's certainly not a complete list that I or tried to be complete, but I wasn't complete, but it doesn't matter. I made a list of all his benefits to me, and I am so thankful, 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 thankful that I've walked with the Lord for, I don't know, half a century or so. Now, have there been ups and downs? Sure. Has there been obedience and disobedience? Sure. But I am so grateful for all his benefits to me, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. <laughs> now, I turned 71 this month. Some of you are older, but most of you are younger. And I have the, uh, ahead of me the promise that my strength is renewed like the eagles. And I have enough strength to fulfill his purpose until I go home. Right? Isn't that good news? I have strength renewed like the eagles. Now, nothing has eagles like Alaska has eagles. I mean, goodness. We have eagles where I live in the high desert of Nevada. We live at about 5,000 feet. And they have golden eagles. And they're okay as eagles go, but, you know, there's nothing like whitehead and a whitetail. Very rarely do we see bald eagles. common that we see golden eagles. But the eagle was a symbol of vitality and strength and long life. And so uh, in in the latter part of verse 5, youth is renewed like the eagles. And and I'm just, I'm grateful. Um, Verse 6 is is kind of a standalone um, verse. The Lord works righteousness and Justice for all the oppressed. Now, I'm, I probably shouldn't make this, you know, um, admission, but, you know, pastors are supposed to know everything, of course. But I don't know everything. 
And, and you know, part of this, the last election and part of the current crisis and immigration and United States and... Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the Christian position should be. I know that God was concerned about the oppressed, the widow, the orphan, the alien, the down and outer. And, and I understand there's proper ways and improper ways, and, and it's a very complex issue, but I know this. I know that my Bible has the answers. I don't know what they are yet. I, I really don't, and that part I'm not supposed to admit because pastors know everything, but I don't know, but I'm studying. But I know this, that God and God's people are, are supposed to care for the widow and the orphan and the alien and the needy. And so verse 6 is kind of a standalone verse. I appreciate it uh, immensely. Then in verse 7, it's uh, 7 through 12 actually, it's his forgiveness that is the focus. And then verse 13 and uh, uh, verse 13 and following is our frailty. So he deals with our forgiveness and then our frailty. So let's deal with our forgiveness first of all. Verse 7, he made known his ways to Moses. Now, undoubtedly that means the law. I mean, one of the best parts of being retired is I get to just study what I I want. I studied the book of Ecclesiastes. I studied the book of Leviticus. I've studied lots of different things. And when it says he made way, his ways to Moses, I assume that he's referring to all that led Moses up to the Exodus, the 10 plagues, then the, the trashing of the gods of Egypt and so on and so forth, the freedom, the, the, their exodus from the land, they're wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. 38 and a half is, is essentially, he gave them 18 months and they kept failing. And, and finally he said, that's enough. And everyone over 20 um, died in the wilderness. But he made known his deeds to Israel. Both his good deeds, right? His miracles and water coming from a rock and bread and manna and, and quail and his hard deeds, his, his punishment for disobedience. And oh, how they tested him. So they learned both of his goodness and his hardness. And then in verse 8 is actually a quote from Psalm um, 33 and 34, uh, Psalm, Exodus 33 and 34, where Moses is essentially, it's like he's discouraged. And, and he's, yes, he's made a second copy of the Ten Commandments. And, and yes, he's going to present it to Israel. But he, he asked the Lord, he said, please show me your glory, please. And the Lord says to him, if I showed you my glory, you'd die. But I will protect you. I will cover you. And I will walk by you. And in that, God's basic character is made known. His compassion, his loving kindness, he does not harbor his, his anger forever. And so verse 8 and verse 9 is a quote from Exodus 33 and 34 where Moses sees the God of Israel as much as a man can see. So the Lord is compassionate. 
The Lord is gracious. The Lord is slow to anger. The Lord is abundant in abounding in love. And he will not always, my translation says, chide, nor will he harbor his anger forever. Hmm. Aren't you glad sometimes for the short words? Like that little word, nor. He does not harbor his anger forever. Can you imagine what it would be like if he should harbor his anger forever? Oh man, I see him in the throne room of heaven going through the files. Okay, drawer after drawer, I know me. And he looks at Hollis, uh, Homer, uh, Holmes, Holmes, Abraham, Holmes, no, that's not, Paul Holmes, that's the one. And there it is, all the way to yesterday. And his sins, my sins, and his harboring his anger forever. Aren't you glad he's not like that? And then, at least for mine's eye, my mind's eye, I see David in verse 11 and 12 and doing the best he can, mathematically speaking. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so high, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And, 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 and we don't know for sure, because again, this is a general psalm of praise, but in my mind's eye, I see David as kind of shepherd, laying there, seeing the, the starry sky, pondering how high above the heavens. I mean, it's as high as he could see. And then the next verse, uh, in verse um, 12, east and west. And, you know, I don't know if he knew the earth was round or not, but I know he knew that east and west were as far apart as you could go. And, and I'm old enough to remember television. <laughs> now, don't raise your hands if, if you remember this. But I remember television in black and white in a circular screen. And I remember one of the early pictures in color was the picture of the earth. Remember that one? The moon and the earth. And, oh, it's beautiful. And I thought, well, maybe then the east and the west. We understand that. But you know what? There's always some place east of east, and there's always some place west of west. And as far as the heavens, as far as east from west, so far have they removed our transgressions from us. Isn't God good? Now, I really appreciate this fan up here, but it keeps moving the scriptures around. So, Verse 13. Now, verse 13, for some of you, is going to be a, a challenge. And it's a challenge to some of you because God was not uh, the same as your earthly dad. Your earthly dad did not mirror the attributes of God. And none of us do it perfectly. I, I understand that. But let me just say that if your earthly dad was not like the God of the Bible in any way, shape, or form, please don't confuse him. Don't confuse your earthly dad with your heavenly dad, okay? 
You're going to have to separate those two. You're going to have to learn what your heavenly father is like. Scripture is clear. And as east as far as from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. And so, in verse 14, he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. He uses three word pictures. Dust, flowers, grass. None of them last very long. He knows that we are dust. It's all the way back in Genesis 2, man's created, Eve was created, and they were created from the dust of the earth. From dust to dust we shall be. He knows that we're dust. He knows that we're grass. Look at the next line, verse 15. The life of mortals is like grass. I think that's a simile, could be a metaphor, can't remember the difference between the two. It's like grass, so we're like dust, we're like grass, and we're like the flower. They, verse 15b, they flourish like the flower of the field. No wind blows over it and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. Except dandelions. I don't know about here, but boy, oh boy, do they last in Nevada. Dandelions and rhubarb, pretty confident they're going to last after the nuclear strike. (laughs) But we're like dust, we're like grass, we're like flower, and the place remembers it no more. No more. It's gone. I so appreciate the the Hebrew. It just says, it's not. The end of verse 16. And from everlasting... To everlasting. The Lord's love is with those who fear him. So God's faithfulness is contrasted with man's frailty. uh, The shortness, the brevity of life. That we're dust, that we're grass, that we're, we're flower. That's all we are. We're just here for a little while and then, like that Hebrew. And we're not. And that's okay. Because God's faithfulness lasts forever. And so, it blows over it, the wind. It's gone. Place remembers it. It is not. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. And, and everybody's going to heaven nowadays, right? That's what's believed, I guess. Not everybody's going to heaven I know that's not politically correct to say that. And um, it's okay, I can say it. I get on an airplane a week from today. Um, But the reality is only the redeemed spend forever with the Savior. For for the rest, it's, it's eternal punishment, it's damnation, it's hell. From everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. The next verse is uh, is the verse on sovereignty. Verse 19, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. I, I would like you to think I get to preach all the time, but I don't, but... I did get to preach for a month at a a church nearby, a 
uh, Elko. Uh, I did an interim there for a few months, and and the pastor asked me to to speak, and and so I did. And I found this verse, and I know I've read this verse lots of times, but I just found it for the very first time, so to speak. And it's in Second Timothy, uh, uh, first excuse me, First Timothy, and it's in chapter six, and it has to do with the sovereignty of God. And I won't uh, give you the context of it. Um, in that particular sermon, but it's Paul's charge to Timothy, and he writes, I charge you to keep this commandment without spot or without blame until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God, that's all I'd have to say, just God, but God will bring about in his own time, so he's the God of all time, God, comma, says it again, blessed and only ruler, comma, says it again, the king of all kings, comma, Lord of all lords, comma, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one can see or has seen. To him be honor and might forever. 10, 11, 12 times in, in three verses, the sovereignty of God. And I believe God's sovereign, don't you? That, that somehow in, in ways we don't yet fully understand, maybe never will, God is in control. So, in verse 20 and 20 uh, through 22, but certainly 20, 21, and 22, um, he talks about angels. And I don't know, is he talking about four kinds of angels? Uh, um, angels, the second kind would be mighty ones, third kind, uh, might, heavenly hosts, fourth kind, servants. Or is he just using the similar word for angel? I don't know. doesn't really matter. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you whose servants who do his will. And praise the Lord, verse 22, all his works. And so in in my mind, uh, and I'll tip it a little bit here in terms of outline. In my mind, I see him as talking about my soul, right? His individual praise. Then he talks about the praise of of David, and then the praise of Israel. And now he talks about the praise of angels. It's getting bigger and bigger. And the last part of verse 22, praise the Lord all his works, all of creation. And I'd leave it with you. It's just, boy, it's just expanding, expanding, expanding. And then he closes on verse 22. Praise the Lord, my soul. And isn't, in the end, isn't praising the Lord individual. And I, I would like very much to just uh, praise the Lord this morning before we have communion. I, I am so glad I'm a Christian. I'm a poor Christian. I, I, I'm not ashamed to admit that. But I am so glad I'm a Christian. I'm so glad that he's my Savior I'm so glad that he's forgiven my sin. And, and I could list all his benefits in a moment. I'm going to give you an opportunity to just for yourself list some benefits. I've gone to, to Connie. I've gone to Tim. I've gone to Ted. I've gone to Mark. I've gone to my friends. And I have said, whatever happens to me, God is good. God has been good to me. And I want you to know it. I don't want you to ever forget it that God has been good to me.
And, and couldn't you say the same thing? That God has been good to you. And so this morning, I just would like to end with a praise. I love him. He's been good to me. Yeah, we've been through hard things. Ups and downs. But you know what? God has been good to me. And I don't want them to forget it. I don't want you to forget it. I don't want to forget it. God has been good to me.